You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 72nd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, make sure you leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Facebook or Instagram. In today's episode, I'm interviewing a friend and fellow choice theory enthusiast, Lois DeSilva Napton. Lois is a lifelong educator who has dedicated herself to educational leadership and assisting students with special needs to access a successful education. She believes in systems and defining quality so all can achieve success at their own level. Lois, thanks so much for agreeing to be here. Thank you. I'm very excited. Thanks for the invitation. I always love talking to you. So it was a real no brainer to have you on the podcast. It's a double benefit for me. I get to talk to my friend and I get to share what you know with our audience, which is great. Can you tell us what path you took to become an educator? It wasn't the average path, was it? No, it wasn't the average path. Actually, you know, I didn't know I was going to be an educator. I got married fresh out of high school to the love of my life, thought I was going to live happily ever after as a stay-at-home mom and a waitress. And I did that up until I was in my mid-30s until life threw me a curveball and I got divorced. And all of a sudden, here I am, a woman in her mid-30s, single with three kids. I said, oh my goodness, I need a job, a different job that I can do during the day. So I looked around and I thought, well, I guess it's going to be education. So off I went to get hired as a paraeducator in a school system, which I never had done this before. In the interview, they said, you know, what's your experience? I said, well, none, but I'm a mom and I'm a really fast learner. And they said, yes. So there I went to start my educational career. And little did I know that about 15 years later, I'd be a superintendent of schools. That's quite a path. (laughs) Can you tell the audience for those who don't know what a paraeducator is? Sure. So a para is the boots on the ground. It's the the aides that are in the school system that really help our kids on a day-to-day basis with their everyday skills in and out of the classrooms. They're called different things, educational assistants, paraeducators, helpers, but they are boots on the ground. They are overseen by a special education teacher. So you have regular, you know, first grade teacher, and then you've got a special ed teacher, and then the para is underneath them working in and out of the classroom. So I I stepped from a special education aide up into a special education teaching position on a long-term sub. You know, it's always hard to get your first break and you don't know what you don't know. Getting to that next level is always a bit of luck and a bit of risk and a lot of fear and faith. Luckily, I got hired on as a long-term sub as a special ed teacher. And from there, I just knew that I wanted people to hear what I had to say. And I realized that they wouldn't listen to me if I didn't have a certain piece of paper or a degree that says I know what I'm talking about. So I just kept going back to school and kept going to the next level of education I went from special ed teacher to building coordinator um, in a high school, which was really fun and exciting to be able to kind of be a leader of a group of people that I knew were changing kids' lives. From there, I just continued on as an assistant principal, principal, and jumped right into special ed at the central office, which is a central office is the umbrella that oversees the whole school system. It oversees all of the schools and all of the systems that are happening. It's called central office or superintendent's office or school administrative office. 
So that's where I've been for the last 15 years. Okay. Was it an accident that you specialized in special ed or was it intentional? I don't believe it's an accident, but I never knew I was going to do this. When I was in fourth grade, I would finish up all my work and I would ask the teacher if I could go down to this special one room classroom where my older sister was going to school. And it was a self-contained classroom way back in the day. I don't know. When was I in school? 70s-ish. And I did. And I would help my sister and I, I helped the kids in this classroom. And I've been helping special needs people all my life. I worked every Saturday in all through middle school with a child one-on-one in his house. It was just amazing. And I didn't realize how close I'd become to people with special needs and just advocating for them to get their needs fulfilled, to be able to achieve what they can achieve at their own level. It's taken a really long time for the world to come to understand that we all have value, no matter where we are in life, what kind of a person we are, what our brains are, what's our physicality, what are our disabilities? We all have a disability. Some of them are labeled and some of them aren't. But the most disabled people, or I would say people with disabilities, because here's my lesson, you never want to use the disability as the adjective. It's not an autistic child. It is a child with autism. They're a child first, and then they have the autism. I think even that lesson in and of itself, labeling, how do we assure that these people can reach the level that they can reach? It's why don't give them a label. Call them who they are. They're a person first, then they're the label. I'd love to get to a time where we can just get rid of the labels altogether and just be a person that gets whatever they need to be successful. That would be a happy day for me. Yes. I know that you love choice theory almost as much as I do. And uh, (laughs) I do. (laughs) So how does choice theory fit into all of this for you? Back when I was a paraeducator in my school system, there was a principal in the building and his name was Carl Fitzgerald and he loved choice theory and I knew nothing about it. Here I am, this brand new para, brand new single mom with three kids at home. And he asked if anybody wanted to go to this training called the basic week back then. And I said, sure, you're going to teach me something for free. I'm going to go. So I signed up and off I went and boy, for the next, I think it was three years, He sent us to our basic intensive, to the practicum, and I traveled around from New Hampshire to Vermont, met a lot of great people. And that learning was right at the point when I was jumping through my hoops and going to school and becoming an administrator. And so I really just learned to be who I am and believe in myself and understand that I'm responsible for me. No one else is going to do this stuff. If I want to do something and make something different, or if I'm unhappy with where I am in life, then I better step it up and do something. And I think that's how choice theory really fit in back then. And boy, did it help me as a single parent. Oh my gosh. My kids will laugh today. They're in their thirties, but they would laugh because I would say, you know, things like that. We weren't allowed to fight. There was no fighting allowed, no physical altercations allowed in my house. Those are the rules. So when we got into a physical altercation, I would say, okay, we're breaking it up. And we would discuss about our arms and our legs and our hands and our feet. And, you know, they made me hit them. I said, well, who controls that hand? You know, we talk about brains and they hated that. Oh, when I said, you control your own hands and feet, they 
hated that. <laughs> she made me hit her and he made me kick him. And I said, really, they picked up your foot and you, and they kicked themselves. <laughs> I mean, it really helped me get through a lot of turmoil with three kids as a single mom. Oh, I bet. I love that. That's what a great approach. Yep. What concepts of choice theory do you bring to educational leadership? Because that's an example of working with your little kids at home. But what about as an educational leader? You know, choice theory is so helpful when you really understand it and you let it sink into your bones. Because the first thing, like I already, I already mentioned, but it's just so key is I'm responsible for myself. And when you're working anywhere, mostly I'll just talk about office settings, there's lots and lots of personalities that need to be navigated, if you will. (laughs) What a a nice way to put it. (laughs) Right. So as a person who knows and understands choice theory, what I like to do is I get to know people for who they really are. And I have a saying, when someone shows you who they truly are, believe them. So I believe them when they show me who they are, and then I get to choose how am I going to interact with them? Because it's my choice. In the end, it's always my choice how I'm going to interact with them. Now, in an office setting, I need to interact with everybody. Well, I don't need to do anything, but I choose to interact with everybody in the office because I want to keep my job because I like my paycheck. But there comes a time when there's going to be some kind of turmoil. It's a funny thing in the office that I'm in now, they call me the Valium. I'm the Valium in the office. And at you first I, are the Valium. I love well, that. I said, what does that like? What? How can I be the Valium? And then I totally got it. They said, you just walk around, you calm everybody down, you have confidence and you believe in yourself no matter what's happening. And it's really about choice theory because taking risks is scary. But what I know as an educational leader is it's important to take risks because if you don't take risks, you're not going to know what's around the next bend. You know, if you just keep with the status quo as an educational leader, you're just going to get swallowed up because things are constantly changing in this world of education. I mean, this has been one horrific year with COVID. Educationally, our students, especially our students with disabilities, have been so challenged to get the education that they deserve. Choice theory has been really, really helpful in keeping me calm. And again, knowing people for who they are. We've had a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress around here. And, you know, I don't want anyone to think that, oh, you know, you just walk around on a cloud all the time. No, when I'm stressed, I tell people, I'm really stressed right now. And they're like, you're weird. Why are you telling me how you feel? I said, I just want you to know that I'm really angry right now and I'm going to be angry. And they're like, okay. And I would have a loud voice or I would have whatever, a different kind of a behavior. But the point is that I get to choose that and I know it and I want it. It's not a fake. It's not a pretend. It's not a oops. It's a, you know what? Yeah, I'm really pissed off right now. And it's okay because I don't like what's happening. And if that's happening and I don't like it, First, I need to change my feelings because I got to calm down because I want to make any action. I have to be calm when I'm making that action. As a leader, it really helps you to get a handle on your feelings. And again, that risk-taking, it's really important. There's a man named Dan Rockwell, and he has a blog. It's called The Leadership Freak. And I am a faithful reader of his blog. He said, when you start defending, you stop improving. 
I really liked when he said that. I said, you know what? That is so true. When we're too busy defending, we can't look around the corner to do the true learning that could come from if we would just stop defending, just believe in what you're doing. And if it's not working, you turn the corner or you, you know, if you're going to hit that wall, go ahead and hit it, but just back up a step and either go over it, go under it or go around it. Banging your head's not going to get you anywhere. So when we defend, 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 we can't learn and learning comes from actually being wrong. When was the last time you were actually wrong? Just take a minute and think about that. Yesterday. (laughs) There you go. And then what did we learn? What did you learn from that experience? Because didn't you grow? It's really hard to grow in the first moments of being wrong, but it happens. It happens. We all slip up. I just loved it when he said that. When we're improving, it starts with something that was imperfect. It starts with something that gets in my craw and makes me say, oh, I don't like that. That's the excitement. That's when you say, wow, isn't this awesome that I don't like this? Because now guess what? I get to take action or I can ignore it. But if you're in leadership and it's something that's going to affect your kids, yeah, go for it. Take that action. Growth takes courage. It takes courage to fail. And that's where the growth comes from. And that honesty to own your mistakes. Like, yeah, I screwed up. I'm really sorry. And sometimes people will look at me and say, wow, did you just admit? Sure I did. Like, why not? Yes, I admitted. That didn't work so well, did it? Have your colleagues agree, you know, look around the table and say, you can read their faces, okay? They know that there was some kind of a slip up. So you might as well just admit it and move on. And then the humility. The other thing is, you know what, as an educational leader, just being humble, it's okay. Just let it go and move on to the next thing. Or be angry for a really good cause and fight. I like that, Lois. I think it's really, really good. I can hear all the choice theory in it, and I also hear you in it. It's not just a regurgitation of something that William Glasser wrote 30, 40 years ago. It's William Glasser plus Lois DeSilva-Napton, and it's really nice to hear that. Well, thank you. So, Lois, do you have any words of wisdom for aspiring educational leaders? Well, I have a few. (laughs) I would say... The most important thing is to stay focused, stay focused and stay true to yourself. You got to know what you believe in, because when you become an educational leader, there's a lot of people around you and they all believe in different things. There's also a lot of things that come and go fads, fads will come and go. There's a lot of salesmen out there. They want to sell you things. Everybody thinks they're going to save the world. If you truly believe in who you are, you know what you stand for, stay focused, and you set attainable goals. I think one of the things that trips up educational leaders is they write these massive, because their board of ed tells them, write a strategic plan and give us this big bundle of goals that you're going to reach by attaining all these objectives. And 120-page plan gets written with beautiful tables, and then they put it on the shelf and we just forget about it. It's important to have goals. You have to know where you're going. If you don't know where you're headed, you're not going to be able to get there. So setting those goals, staying focused, and then don't give up. Don't give up. It sounds really crazy, but my educational career has taken some turns and bumps. And I would do the same thing over again because I believed in what I was doing and I'm in a different place right now. 
and don't give up because if you're steady, you stay focused, you've got those goals, you could be amazing. You are amazing. Well, thank you. And one thing I'd like for you to share with our audience, because I happen to have some insider information on this, hmm. I happen to know because uh, we meet monthly that you're writing a book. Can you tell people about that? Sure. Thanks for asking. So yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm a writer. It's very exciting. I know my mentor said, say you're an author. So I'm an author. I've been writing this book in my head for probably eight years, just wondering when am I ever going to get pen to paper and figure this thing out? And I did about eight months ago, joined a writer's group. Thank you, Kim. Um, <laughs> that would be my writer's group at Inside right. Out Press. I'll plug that too. There you go. Got to give credit where credit's due. Thanks, um, Lois. And it really, it really helped focus me. It's not pressure. It's just, you set your own goals. You go at your own pace and you do whatever you're going to do. I actually have a title. I'm getting ready to come up with a book cover. It's called Overcoming, Turning Trials into Triumphs. I'm very excited to be able to share my personal life story in a way that's going to help people overcome obstacles that they are coming up against in their life. It is a chapter book, standalone chapters, which are certain topics that you can access in any order you want. One of them is overcoming financial difficulties, overcoming negative self-talk, overcoming divorce, those kinds of topics. They get a little deeper if you want to read the book. It's my personal journey. And then I weave into it strategies to overcome. And of course, as a choice theory person, it is filled with choice theory ideas how to overcome and turn your trials into triumphs. I'm really excited about it. And it should be coming out soon. Yay. How exciting. Thank you. Wait till you hold that book in your hand for the first time. It's almost like birthing a baby. I can tell you oh that. My goodness. it really is. Yeah. It takes nine months to write a book mm -hmm. pretty much. And when you hold that book in your hand, it's going to be a similar kind of feeling because you did birth the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any last words for anybody before we sign off today? I just want to thank you for tuning in and taking the time out of your life to spend time listening to us talk to you. And I hope that you have gleaned some words of wisdom from our words today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And if anyone in our audience would like to contact you, what would be the best way for them to do that? They can contact me at my Gmail address. Okay. Do you want to say what that is? And I'll put it sure. in the show notes also. Yep. It's Lois Napton, L-O-I-S-K-N-A-P-T-O-N 100 at gmail.com. Lois Napton 100 at gmail.com. Awesome. Lois, thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your schedule to share some of the brilliant things that you've learned over your career that I know will help people who are in the educational field. I really appreciate your time. You're still at work and it's six o'clock at night there, almost seven o'clock now. And here you are on this podcast. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Steve Hammond about his journey to creating a glasser quality school in Norfolk, Virginia. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, 
please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.